Hello and welcome. Uh, we're going abroad for the 94th edition of the Hotbox. I guess you might reasonably say that we usually do go abroad because, let's face it, jazz has a tendency to come from the traditional home of jazz, the USA. But as an art form, uh, in the early part of the 20th century, it migrated to other parts of the world and was very enthusiastically adopted in many countries, for a time anyway, being the popular musical form, perhaps best exampled by the swing craze of the 1930s and 40s. So I thought we might take a look, uh, well, a listen, to jazz in Italy, which, like most Western European countries, adopted the jazz style very enthusiastically in the 1930s. And we'll follow jazz from there to the present day in Italy, where jazz is still a popular minority interest. There's scarcely a major town in Italy that doesn't have a jazz society and a few venues in case uh, you want to go and enjoy jazz live. And of course, there are various jazz festivals throughout Italy, particularly the Umbria Jazz Festival every midsummer, which is a fantastic, uh, one of the world's great jazz festivals. In the early days, though, there was a snag. Fascism. Fascism frowned on jazz and effectively banned it for some years, but there were plenty of musicians prepared to defy that ban, so let's um, hear a recording from the period 1941-42, and after we've heard it, we'll talk a little bit about the circumstances of its recording. So here's three and a half minutes of China China. Thank you. 
Well, you know that as Chinatown, my Chinatown. They called it China China because they um, didn't have the details of, of any composition, so they weren't able to credit the composers. They took the credits themselves, and later on it was all changed, of course, after the war. Um, let me quote you from one of the musicians, Piero Cotillieri. Uh, gives you some idea of the difficulty of recording. We've made these recordings, he said, a little secretively. It was the winter of 1941-42. There was a blackout, the war, and one couldn't play American music. Every night there was an alarm. Very often there was no light. We went to recording studios at the Odeon in Milan on uh, Via Monviso, and we arrived one by one. It was desperately cold. We had always recorded them in winter. There wasn't a stove lit, nor coal, I played in my overcoat, hat and gloves. I trembled from the cold. Every so often, someone brought half a cup of wine. Ma che cosa vuole il cuore? Solo l'amor, mai, mai, mai di gridare smetterai che la donna è senza cuore. Ma fai l'amor, libri e drammoni parlano d'amor, cantano le canzoni, amor, amor. Oh, mai, mai, mai tu felice sarai senza avere dentro al cuore. Un po' gone back a few years there into the 1930s when uh, big band or mini-sized big bands were very popular in Italy and indeed all over Europe, all over the world. Uh, That was the Orchestra Circolo Jazz Hot with Marcello Marchese. Anyway, let's now come right up to date or more up to date. Italian audiences, of course, adopted American jazz and swing for a period of about 15 years um, 
and then, in the post-war, tended to revert to more romantic styles of music, which is the main reason that the rock and roll era actually largely passed the Italians by, only only kind of being embraced in later years, actually, by something of a minority. Even today, you'll find that is true. But jazz tended to be seen as an adjunct to classical music, and indeed, still today, Italian jazz musicians are almost entirely classically trained and they're very comfortable often playing in either genre. And perhaps the best example of that is the pianist Enrico Piranunzi, who's been a frequent visitor to Ireland, uh, incidentally and formally. He was professor of music at various classical music schools in Italy and he's now a pretty highly regarded composer and pianist on the world stage. Let's hear one piece from him first anyway. This is Billy Strayhorn's A Flower is a Lovesome Thing. Thank you. 
Yeah, gorgeous and uh, very typical uh, Pierre Nunzi performance. A Flower is a Lovesome Thing, written by Billy Strayhorn. The trio was uh, Pierre Nunzi himself, of course, on the piano, with Joey Barron on the drums and Mark Johnson on bass. I have to say, Pierre Nunzi has always been much recorded in very illustrious company, like that one, from the very top end of Americans, and as I mentioned, he's played several times in Ireland. I was lucky enough to spend some time with him when he played the Triscoll Arts Centre during the Cork Jazz Festival about 15 years or so ago. Uh, so here's a little little flavour of that conversation. Enrico, tell me a little bit, just sort of for the listeners, go back right to the beginning. How did you start? Did you start in classical music or...? Both. I, I started, it was a kind of parallel way for me because I, I began very, very early when I was between five and six years old. And uh, my father bought a piano. He was a guitar player, jazz guitar player, and folk composer, very good folk composer. And um, he bought this piano, and I began having lesson, private lesson in classical. But in the same time, through my father and through the jazz records that were in my house, I began uh, dealing with jazz. Okay, that's the story. So I kept the two ways. Yes, you know, and uh, so I graduated in classical piano. I even have been teaching for 25 years classical piano until '98. Then I stopped, and in the same time, I kept on uh, developing my jazz uh, approach and uh, knowledge and uh, and all that. Well, as will become evident uh, throughout this particular hotbox, I I dared to express my opinion to Enrico about the. Uh, fundamental difference between jazz in Italy and jazz in its native land of America, in that there is a strong emphasis on lyricism, uh, which I, I hope was well illustrated in the piece we've just heard. Here is what he had to say. Let's talk a bit about Italian jazz. I already said I'm a big fan, and, and I would venture an opinion that it's, it's partly be because Italian musicians are not afraid to be beautiful. Sometimes I think... Uh, um, particularly modern musicians in, in Britain and Ireland and America are sort of afraid of lyricism almost. And I feel that almost any Italian player, the lyricism comes through. Uh, do, do, a, do you agree with the theory? And B, uh, why? <laughs> I don't know why. Um, many historical and cultural elements, I think, um, make this... Uh, Italian, we uh, make us as Italian musicians being... Lyrical or, or romantic. I think that first we have a special. This is, I mean, uh, think acceptable. We have a special attitude uh, for singing, and uh, we have a strong tradition in opera, and uh, also we have a very strong folk music, and um, all these together. Uh, maybe also of course uh, we have a special. I don't know. Way of life, view of life, philosophy of life, uh, and I think that many elements uh, contribute to make uh, one people uh, feeling uh, more lyrical or less lyrical, more romantic or less romantic. I think our opera and singing tradition is very strong, and um, mm, of course we have uh, we have the sun, not always, but and also. I don't know. It's really difficult for me. Um, I mm. would say that perception of lyricism is very different place by play. Mm. And so uh, so I, 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 it's very it's quite uh, difficult for me to to say to say why we, we are this way. 
So I guess he kind of agreed with me, sort of. Uh, but we went on to prove the point, perhaps, because uh, we had a well-tuned piano sitting in front of us and he agreed to play a piece for me. And here it is. Enrico, uh, what yeah. are you going to play? It's a, a quite a new, a new composition that in Italian sounds Perle di Sole. I would translate a kind of sunny skin that maybe is no sense, but is anyway. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's a kind of a very melodic, melodic tune with a Latin, uh, it's a slow, slow Latin, Latin rhythm on the left hand. I would say kind of what Cuban I think is called bolero. Mm -hmm. kind of uh, ballad but with a bit of rhythmical things and uh, a long melody okay okay thanks <laughs> Thank you. 
Yes, what a privilege it was to be to be in that room. Just me and Enrico Piranunzi and that wonderful piano playing back in Cork in, I think, 2005. Well, while we're in the area of solo piano, it might be um, interesting to move to another pianist who has this kind of lyricism in his blood. He's called Giovanni Mirabassi. He's been based in Paris for many years and he's been much recorded in, in various combinations, but I've decided to stay with solo piano because um, he made an album which I have always liked called Avanti, in which he plays 16 songs from uh, revolutionary movements, mainly South American in origin, but not not all of them. This one is called El Pueblo Unido. Um, it's uh, The United People Will Never Be Defeated. And it was written, uh, not by him, it was written just prior to the coup by uh, General Pinochet in Chile in 1973. And I hope you'll agree, it is a very poignant and emotional piece. Jazz, well, I don't know, but it, it does give you an indication yet again of the um, assertion that I'm making about the lyricism that's inherent in uh, the Italian jazz musicians. Giovanni Mirabassi.
El Pueblo Unido Yamasera Vencido. Apologies for my Spanish. The great Giovanni Mirabassi. He describes himself, funnily enough, as a, an exile in Paris. Uh, along with several other great Italian musicians, they... they um, got away from the regime of Silvio Berlusconi in the early 90s, which they thought was unfriendly to jazz musicians. And um, we'll go to one of those others now, um, away from the solo piano, you'll be glad to hear, and into the trumpet-led band of Paolo Frezu. He is another phenomenal talent. and this, this is a very short piece from his album Kind of Poggy and Bess. It has Roberto Gatto on the drums and Tonello Salis on the piano and um, Furio di Castri, um, who is the bass player. Paolo Fresu, I Got Plenty of Notten, and after that we'll go straight into a track from a very fine Italian tenor player, Rosario Giuliani. Thank you. 
Yeah, a piece called Dear Tucci, presumably addressed to the drummer on the session, Lorenzo Tucci. Pietro Lusu on the piano, um, Pietro Ciancanlini on the bass, and Lorenzo Tucci was the drummer. What a powerful alto sax he is, Rosario Giuliani. He's uh, recorded quite a quite a lot, but that piece was actually from his very first album back in the year 2000. And the album was called Luggage, which I strongly recommend it, actually. He's played internationally, many, many of the wonderful players in the world, and, and in, in, in Italy, of course, and I particularly single out uh, Enrico Piernunzi, who we heard from earlier, and internationally, the likes of Cedar Walton, Randy Brecker, Phil Woods. I could go on.
Alto saxophonist Francesco Cafiso playing, which I'm sure you recognise, the tune What's New. Uh, Francesco was a child prodigy. Uh, he began winning prizes all over Italy and then all over the world when he was just a teenager. Uh, barely a teenager, actually. And he's since travelled the world as an ambassador for Italian jazz. He's been presented at many festivals in the States and indeed elsewhere. I'm not sure that he's ever played Cork. I don't think he has. He played with the Italian Olympic team, Hospitality, at the London Olympics, uh, for example. He's both played with and recorded with many U.S. uh, musicians in recent years. The track we just heard uh, was from his 2005 album, New York Lullaby, recorded with Joe Farnsworth on the drums, David Heseltine on the piano and David Williams on the bass. He was, by the way, 16 when he recorded that.
There was a piece called Sun Bay, and you really don't go any distance into jazz in Italy without coming across two of its greatest players, Enrico Rava and Stefano Bolani. Uh, both of them record for ECM and, and actually for other labels, and uh, both really towering figures on the world stage as well as Italy. I've always felt that Enrico Rava was probably under-acclaimed, and that, uh, but I'm glad to say that has changed recently. The piece we just heard was uh, from their 2007 ECM album, which is called The Third Man, and it was a, uh, an Enrico Rava composition. We should certainly play more Rava on the hotbox because he is marvellous, and indeed more Stefano Bellani, who is another of those jazz musicians who has immense breadth. Um, his most recent stage show was actually just an example. Um, it was a huge one-man show improvisation on the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. And I went to it. It was amazing. So we're out of time, really, but quite um, since we seem to have featured a lot of great piano players, let's just have one more to play us out. Dado Moroni. Well, like, like Francesco Cafiso, uh, he was a child prodigy, really. He recorded his first album when he was just 17. He became part of the New York jazz scene for about 20 years. Uh, but he moved back to Italy some years ago, and he's now a professor of music in Turin. And we let him play us out, as I said, this composition, Il Carnevale del Tito. Um, uh, after this hour devoted to checking out just a few of the exceptional jazz musicians, and a lot of them uh, piano, it seems fitting, I suppose, to finish with some more solo piano. And I hope uh, we've reflected properly on their talent. And I hope you've enjoyed the ride. So here's Dado Moroni. And uh, if you have been, thanks for listening. <laughs>